My name is David Siegler, and welcome to my podcast. Hi, property sourcing profiteers. Welcome everyone out there in the property land. Uh, it's David Siegler. We're here again. I've got another wonderful guest. I'm really excited to introduce my guest to you. He is a proper property professional. We're going to talk about his journey. Um, all the ups, all the downs. This episode is particularly helpful for anyone who's at the start of their journey, who's looking 12, 24 months down the road and wondering where it's going to go. Because wherever you think it's going to go, the wonderful Rick Cusimano has been there. He's here this afternoon and he's going to share the journey with you. So I would like to say, welcome, Rick. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Great, great to have you with us. We're absolutely thrilled. So, um, property for you, relatively new. You know, you had a big job and you've made the leap. You you live in the dream now. You're in property. Um, Absolutely, so, that's right. That's so, what made you make that decision? What happened? Really? Well, I um, I think ultimately starting a young family uh, was probably one of the key drivers for us. I was in um, IT with my background, um, so I was running a small software business in Sheffield. That was a very exciting business. We were actually developing uh, property management systems um, there. But um, it was it was hard work. It was long hours, um, and it ultimately wasn't my business, I guess. So um, when we had our uh, youngest daughter Evie, um, sort of leaving work at seven in the morning and getting back at seven at night um, was a bit of a drag. So uh, um, yeah, we started. We we're investing ourselves anyway. We had um, a couple of buy to lets, um, and we were just about to do a. Uh, a flip as a joint venture um so we were um interested in and passionate about property but we didn't see how um it could maybe scale to a place where it could replace an income until we came to multiple streams in uh, early 2017 wow so you were already like um an amateur landlord you got got into property that's really cool uh, and then you came to progressive properties multiple streams property income event um how did that change? What changed for you there, Rick? What happened? Well, it, I mean, uh, you know, you, they sort of call it the light bulb moments, don't they? Um, but the, you know, so many things um, that yourself, the lovely Anne Holton and everyone else who was there in early 2017 were talking about how you can, um, you know, you can buy property with other people's money, you can package deals, you can JV on projects and all of that is completely alien when somebody's only been thinking, you know, as a landlord themselves, buying a property, raising a deposit, doing things one at a time. Um, so it was incredibly exciting and um, uh, insightful to see how others were doing it. And uh, we were inspired by what we heard on that day. And, and that started a chain event of um, of wonderful things that has ultimately led me to to be here on this podcast with you fab how exciting so the inspiration i get and i hear that i hear that from many friends who've gone through that process um what about overwhelm rick did you get any overwhelm did you was it a blinding light and and the direction was clear or 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 did you go off down a few blind alleys first so we we did i mean uh, um uh, you know i've sort of through the the business I was involved in earlier, not um, 
you know, working hard and, and you know, um, facing challenges wasn't a new thing to me. So in, in that sense, we were happy to um, to have a go, as it were. And you have to you have to do that when you're starting something new. But we um, we started off um, very passionately going down the um, rent to rent HMO route um, and we made some good progress there. And um, that was looking like uh, the, the strategy that was going to get us out of work. Oh, so can, uh, can I clarify that for our listeners? Mm. So if, if I understand you, you were going to HMO landlords mm-hmm. and you were giving them a guaranteed rent. Correct. And Correct. then you were then re- sort of re-renting the rooms to individual tenants. Absolutely. your yeah. margin was a bit in between. Precisely, yes. Yeah. So How we, did that go? How were the um, tenants? It, it went... Um, it went initially. There was quite good uh, response from from the landlords we contacted. We did the whole HMO register, um, sending the letters out. Got quite a good response. We found um, a lot of landlords with substandard properties, obviously trying mm. to pass on a problem onto us. So you have to be aware, people, if you're going out doing rent to rent HMO, about what it is that you're looking at. But we eventually found one that could work. Um, we did a bit of due diligence on it. It looked like it could work. What we didn't foresee was that the day after we picked up the keys, the um, the house flooded as a result of a poorly installed basement conversion. So, um, so that was the first of a, a few challenges with that property. Um, the second being we had unfortunately a um, a tenant who um, didn't think it was appropriate to pay rent, nor to get on with the housemates, nor to um, keep the property in good order. So we faced some challenges with that very first HMO, um, which was, um, you know, in hindsight, um, it was nothing, nothing that we couldn't handle. And it was nothing actually um, that is to be taken too um, too seriously it doesn't happen every time it hasn't actually happened since and we've done a lot of properties since so sometimes you can just get unlucky but it, what it caused us to do was just take a step back and reevaluate and think about whether that was the the best course of action for us um, that, that's really helpful and what, what I'll, okay so i'm sorry for your pain i feel your pain right but what is helpful to our listeners is that property doesn't always go according to plan right so uh, you're pretty smart, and Sophie's pretty smart. You did your due diligence, but how can you foresee that day one you're going to get a basement flood, right? Now, in those circumstances, friends who are listening, some of them might say, well, this property malarkey, it's not for me, it's too difficult, I'm going to stop, I'm going to give up, right? But you didn't give up. Well, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, while, while, we were, um, while we were dealing with that one, we were also doing a... A joint venture project as well. So we were looking at a flip project with a, uh, a new joint venture partner. Um, so that was uh, looking very, very promising. There was um, a, a good profit margin in that project. Unfortunately, what um, what happened next was the the joint venture partner um, wasn't able to raise the finance that we thought they were able to raise okay so joint venture partners like that it's a challenge it was a money man doesn't have any money that that can be difficult it's a double challenge also when the next day um the vendor pulls out as well um so we you know we at that point we probably could have found another um another way to finance the deal but the the vendor pulled out at the same time so 
Yes, um, it wasn't without its challenges, um, uh, 2017 for us. But um, uh, but yeah, it was around that time we started uh, hearing a bit more about deal packaging. Obviously, when you're presented with something, that isn't necessarily the time that you really take it in. Um, and we we heard about deal packaging when we very first came to a multiple streams event in early 2017, but we didn't really get it until probably the end of that year. Yeah, but credit to you that you kept looking for whatever it is that it, it is that's, that, that is your property niche. Because now you've sort of kissed two frogs, right? You've got the basement thing and you've got the joint venture partner without any money thing, right? And um, lesser beings, Rick, dare I say, might have taken it as a message from above that maybe property isn't the way forward. But you're, you're hanging in there, right? So now we're looking at a cash flow strategy, deal packaging. You, everyone out there knows that's my thing. Um, so uh, deal packaging. And uh, just before we came on, you know, let's give him a name check. You were inspired by another young man in our community who was packaging a few deals. Go on. That's right. That's give right. So, um, so the great Sam Spencer was um, was within uh, was on VIP with me actually when uh, when we were on VIP and. Sam was um, very keen and a very well presented uh, young man who uh, had taken deal packaging by the horns, as it were. Um, and it sort of um, gave me some ideas to maybe have a look at uh, having a go at it myself. Yeah, if he can do it, you can do it too, right? <laughs> there we go. So for those of you uh, listening who are outside the progressive community, the VIP community is uh, a very a niche group of experienced uh, and, in, and and committed and gifted individuals in property who work together within the progressive community. So um, if you're part of that group, you're in a very esteemed company. And Rick, Rick uh, is a very respected member of that group, uh, as is Sam Spencer. And uh, they met there. And so now you're, you're, you're thinking, let's earn some money out of this, guys. Let's source some deals and sell them to investors. Is that well, what that's it. I mean, what, what actually happened for us is, aside from the, um, the, the two projects I mentioned that, um, that didn't quite go to plan, um, we did do a, a joint venture flip in 2017 that went very well. Cool. Um, that made um, just over 30000 in profit. So we had some faith that if we persevered, you know, there, there was uh, some good to come out of it. So um, through that process, we, um, we obviously had some cash from, from that flip. We refinanced one of the buy-to-lets that we didn't realize we could refinance because it didn't quite pass the stress test. But wow. you don't know what you don't know. Wow. So we learned at the, um, uh, the masterclass, actually, we learned maybe we might be able to do something with that. And we did. So we pulled another deposit out of that and um, we went um, we went shopping. So we did a, uh, we bought another buy to let uh, as the masterclass teaches, you know, the buy, refurbish, refinance. Uh, so we followed the model. We bought uh, a buy to let and then we went on to buy a second one. And um, through that process, through doing the viewings, through making the offers, through meeting the agents, ultimately we had um another property come back which we actually weren't able to buy but at the same time as we were sharing our journey with others um somebody approached us and said well i i wouldn't mind buying one of those um single lets that you've been buying 
Um, and ultimately, that's where deal packaging started for us. Wow, how exciting is that? So when you say sharing the journey, you just started telling people what you're doing? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, through, you know, through the networking, you know, the, the PPNs, uh, we went to the PPN in Sheffield and we were um, speaking to people there. We um, obviously sharing on social media what we were doing. Um, and I guess when, you know, when you're starting out, you don't quite know exactly what to do, but you just sort of keep, um, keep sharing your journey, talking about what you're doing. And ultimately, um, you know, people start to take notice of that and, uh, and you never know where that might take you. Fascinating. So I really want to help people who are just starting out on the journey. So you, you came to your multiple streams of property income, uh, event, and then we've had a couple of full starts. And then you think, maybe now I've found my way. So what's the time scale on that? What, what, how long so, did it take to get to that point? Um, so we first came to Multiple Streams in uh, January 2017. Um, and for the next 12 months, I mean, I, I was still in, in full-time employment for a good chunk of that. Um, but uh, it wasn't really until um, early 2018 that we started, well, um, January 15th, 2018, we bought our first buy-to-let because that's also when our son Aidan was born. Yay. So that I was, was going to uh, say, you, you remember that day clearly. I, I didn't, didn't realise it was your son's birthday. Absolutely. Yeah. So I remember we um, we got the call that we'd completed on the property, but uh, but my wife Sophie was in labour in hospital, so not appropriate to do anything about that. <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, I remember that date very well. So it was around that time when we, um, when we bought that single let and the next one came through around March uh, 2018 and I think that's pretty much when we started talking to investors about deal packaging so uh-huh. yeah a little over 12 months ago now fab so your first so you right so we've got now to March 2018 we're going to talk about deal packaging now um what came first Rick was it the deals the opportunity to buy property or was it investor driven or how did you develop over the next six eight months what, what happened um well it <clears throat> so we so the journey that we'd been on we'd obviously had a um a joint venture pull out of a deal yeah. so we knew what it was like to have funding pulled out of a deal so we're aware that if the deal's not there or the funding's not there nothing's going to happen so we didn't want to repeat that mistake again so as we started getting opportunities with single lets, we started talking to investors um, about those single lets. And the way that we decided to do it, and it's the way I'd recommend anyone getting started now, is to bring the investor along for the journey as you're making offers on houses. Um, that ensures that the offers you're placing um, meet the needs of the investor and ultimately it gets their buy-in when an offer is accepted and they're able to, um, with your help, secure the property there and then. So that's how we got our first few deals and I would definitely recommend that approach. That's really interesting because I've not heard it put in those terms and of course it's absolutely correct if you get, if you get the investor to become part of the process so that they're living it with you uh, I think too many times deal packages, when we get a bit more experience, we go out and negotiate the deal and we present it to the investor. But I think Rick's advice is really good. Uh, the investor's going to enjoy the journey as much as the destination, right? 
So, uh, yeah, put them through the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs. Did they accept our offer? Or oh, they want a few grand more? Or oh, what should we do now? Um, it serves you in good stead. But, of course, when you get a bit bigger, that's harder to do, Rick. It is, absolutely. Um, but in terms of, it, I think initially, um, certainly the first the first few deals we did, um, what you want to do is maximise your efforts and you want to... You know, when you get an offer accepted, you want to 100% be able to find an investor for that deal. Um, and the the process we went through really facilitated that. So we were able to find homes for for all the deals that we um, that we sourced uh, in in that sort of first year. Cool. So uh, what came first, Rick, the deal or the investor? And you know, it's a it's a perennial problem for deal packages. Either we've got too many deals and not enough investors, or we've got too many investors and we can't find the deals. So how, how, did, you, how did you grow from there? So it's a, from, a, from a standing start, it is difficult. It is difficult because investors want to, um, want to see an example yeah. um, to, to be able to discuss. So what we did initially, obviously we, we bought a single let ourselves, so the, the deal came first because we were the buyer. But what we did in terms of producing a pack, an investor pack as such, to pass on to potential investors, we fill that pack with other properties that we viewed, we'd offered on, and perhaps we were outbid on, to show um, the types of deals we were going after and the types of returns that they generated. So some of the deals in our pack initially were not deals that we'd bought, the deals that we'd viewed and analysed, yeah. um, but perhaps hadn't completed. So that's definitely a good way to um, to add a, a bit more depth and variety to to examples that you share with investors because it gives you something to talk about. Yeah, and I think that's really important because it's it's perfectly acceptable to say to an investor, these are the type of things that we're doing. These are the type of returns that we're looking for. We wouldn't do anything that didn't reach these sort of criteria. You know, is 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 that your thing, Absolutely. Mr. Investor, Mr. Yeah, Investor? Yeah. So, um, as you're moving forward, what type of deals did you actually source? What were the sort of fee levels you were um, achieving? Your investors, did you pick up any referrals and recommendations from existing investors, or did you have to find a new investor for a new deal every time? How did, how did it run? Yeah, okay, so most Rick, of the... I don't know why I said Nick, Rick, <laughs> but we don't edit this, so I've got to leave that in, Rick. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, most of, the, um, most of the deals we did initially were single lets, um, mostly with, um, well, they were, they were initially all new investors, um, many of whom have gone on to buy uh, one or two other deals from us as well. So there's, there's repeat business there. Uh, and then more recently, there have been a lot of recommendations, which is a wonderful way to be able to um, to, to grow a business is through recommendations. Um, so we've been very fortunate that um, that we've we've managed to to grow with some wonderful clients who have been happy to recommend us to some of their friends, which has been a, a real privilege for us. So yeah, yeah, and that's really really important. And I recognise so much of my own journey and what you're you're, you're starting to talk about. So we're doing some single lets. That's cool. Uh, I should, we should say that you work in and around Sheffield. Uh, we are, yeah. You know, yeah. city of steel, right? Um, so it's a great place to invest because cash flow is there and you're getting capital growth as well. Mm -hmm. uh, over a period of time, prices in, in Sheffield have gone up. 
um, and, and they will in the future. So it's a really good, solid investment. And uh, Rick, you're a really good, solid deal package. I would let my mum buy a house <laughs> off you, right? I wouldn't, wouldn't hesitate, right? So if you're out there, guys, thinking about should I, should I go and have a look at Sheffield? Absolutely, you should. Give Rick a ring and he'll sort that out for you. So the business is growing. You've done a few mm-hmm. single lands. Where, where do we go now? So, um, so what, what did we do? So we, um, we had, uh, we probably did, uh, I guess about, about 10 single lets, um, in that first year, uh, before we started average, looking at your average fee size. Average. So, um, so we started off probably charging about 4,000 pounds all right, in for, right. for a deal. Uh, we're now charging more like five or five and a half for a single lap. And, th- and that sounds about right. It's sort of industry standard. Right? Mm-hmm. So we, could, we can see sort of gross figures, 50 grand, touching 50 grand there. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we go now? Um, so we, we started diversifying. So obviously looking at um, potential flips, um, HMOs, service accommodation, commercial buildings. So this is sourcing for yeah. investors, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, so as we speak now, we have um, two HMOs going through. What uh, one's in progress, one one still in conveyance, and we've got a service accommodation unit which is nearly ready. Um, and yeah, the HMO that's going through is a commercial building, so that's gone through planning. So that's a commercial. Conversion, mm. right? So all the strategies we're using, all the strategies now. To so when I stand um, in front of a crowd and say, "Think about deal packages," we use all the strategies. It's true, right? And it's it certainly is. It certainly is. But it's important that you try not to bring them all in from day one. Um, yes. So we spent, you know, we we did about twelve single lets, um, and we, you know, we had some challenges with those. Uh, but we we sort of let them run their course, and we got them let, and we moved on before we started looking at um, you know anything particularly different. And even the the service accommodation unit that's coming in, um, we it's basically a single let, but just a, sure. you know, of a of a slightly higher standard. But yes, um, and oh gosh, those could have been my words, Rick. And and you know, deal packages I think should take heed more of the service accommodation model while we can do it. You know, certainly at the moment we can do it um, because you can look for slightly nicer quality housing. Uh, you're not at entry level houses. You you can go to different parts of the city that you normally would not source in because for service accommodation the demand is for a slightly better product, and you can get multi let returns on a single let house. And why wouldn't the investor want that? So I. I think that's a really smart thing to do. I'm intrigued at your entry into the HMO market, mm. sourcing that, because I've walked that walk, mm. and it's, mm. it can be a long and lonely walk at times. Go on. Let's talk about um, the trials that you've found starting in your first, age, first, second, third HMO that you sourced. Yeah, so, um, uh, so the... Uh, De- developing a uh, a commercial building into HMO has a huge amount of of, of work involved. So, um, you know, getting involved with the architects, the planning consultants, if it's going through planning, obviously the builders t- who are actually going to manage the conversion, 
floor plans if I have to look at another floor plan I think I might go spare but you learn so much putting it all together and I think the intention for us is like we have with the single lets to create a model and a system that we can repeat and all that good stuff is effectively IP for you to then repurpose onto other projects so um, that's absolutely the the intention and that's why they say try not to do too many different types of of properties all at once because everyone is is a learn um but as you've learned you know whatever it is that you have learned on a project try and put it down into or condense it into some sort of model that you might be able to repeat that's definitely um a key recommendation i would give i've definitely identified with the floor plan thing because i'm you know in the triangle of trust here there's not many people listening rick i'm going to share this one of our early projects um I'm self-taught in terms of reading floor plans. You know, I'll have a look at a floor plan. What I didn't pick up in this particular HMO conversion was one of the bedrooms didn't have a window. Uh, now, you and I both know you can't <laughs> have a bedroom without a window. Uh, but, you know, I never saw it. And then the builder built it out without a window. And I went there, you know, early in the process. And I walked into this room that had no window. And I said to the builder, we haven't got a window. And he says, it's not in the plan. And I said, but you, you builder, you know we have to have a bedroom with a window, right? And he said to me, I thought you guys knew what you were doing, so I just followed the plan, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we can laugh now, okay? But that had to be resolved. So this sort of stuff, they don't tell you this stuff on the training courses, right? So there's all sorts of things. Well, how did you get on with builders, Rick? Tell us about HMO conversions oh, and builders. I, I don't know if we want to go down that road. We've, we've, <laughs> we've had... Um, so we've, we've found some wonderful people uh, who we continue to work with to this day. But to find some of those people, we've had to kiss a few frogs, as you would, as you would put it, David. Yeah. So... Um, there are a few people that we um, we didn't invite to the Christmas party uh, <laughs> last Christmas, um, but you know I um, I try not to uh, you know take everything too seriously, and I just think look you know we've moved on from there, we've had to pick up the pieces, but we have yes. n- you know nothing went too wrong, everybody's happy, there's a good outcome to uh, to everything that went wrong for us. Um, and, uh, and we are where we are. So I think it's inevitable that, um, you know, that you will meet people, you will meet trades, you will meet um, potential suppliers who you are not going to work with forever. Um, and I think that's OK. You just need to try and de-risk everything as much as you can so that if and when things go wrong, they don't go too far wrong. Absolutely. And these things that go wrong... Um... <clears throat> There's nothing that money can't fix, right? I mean, you know, someone's got to sort it out. Uh, but it's all part of the learning curve. And what I've found along the way is talking to people who've gone before me, you know, big players in the industry, and I talk about these sort of things that happen. They, their reaction to me is, oh, David, that happened to me. You know, this is how you fix it, right? This is how it goes. So we've all been there. We've all been there. So we, we move forward from day one. The rent-to-rent HMO with the basement thing, all the way through. So we're now packaging deals. You've got another new venture. You've, you've got your... Yeah, I'm trying not to say no, it so, <clears throat> so we, um, we've started a lettings agency as well. So um, the lettings agency is um, 
is managing our source deals as well as our own deals. So um, inevitably, when an in- investor is looking for a, a property, it also has to be managed. Um, and we found the most efficient way to to give that kind of hands free service is to to bring the um, the lettings in house. So the lettings is also involved in the snagging. So we're literally trying to get a property ready to to live in. Um, so it. Yeah, it, it seems to work very well for us, and it's a model that... that yeah, I like the letting agency model, and uh, we've spoken sort of off-air about this. And I think letting agents get a little bit of stick, you know, oh, it's hard work. If it wasn't for the landlords and the tenants, they'd be all right, you know, and all that sort of thing. But actually, um, as a deal packager, I missed a trick in the early days. The first 200 deals that I sourced and packaged, I gave away to letting agents. Right. I should have built my own letting agency because cyclically, what I've seen, I'm in my fifth property cycle now, guys. I know, I know. Uh, what I see is that from time to time at the right point of the cycle, you can sell a letting agent. They are very sought after. The big firms go and buy it. So, so long as you build a letting agent with the view of selling it down the road, I think it's a very smart thing to do. So you're quite early into it. Sure, um, and I, <clears throat> we are, and I think ultimately that at the moment it's it's come from a place of um, you know adding to our cash flow, so the multiple streams of income idea. Um, it's obviously adding to our service, so the services we feel slightly better than it might otherwise be. Um, but obviously, yeah, it's an asset that we are building up. So yes. much like you know the investment properties that we are creating, it's it's a business that we're. Um, that we're running. Um, so it's it's one of the areas that we're focusing on. Yes. And the other thing I see from young letting agents I'm working with in my business, and also there's one or two leading brands in London that have picked up this model as well. You know, I've seen that recently, um, is that instead of letting a property out for an investor on a 8%, 10 12% uh, fee, whatever it is that letting agents charge, uh, because you've picked up all the other strategies, because you've learned multi-lets, you've learned service accommodation, whatever, uh, you can introduce that into your letting agency, do a, a rent-to-rent, because you've you build the relationship with the landlord, you do a great job, you pick cherry-pick the right landlord who might go for a guaranteed rent from you as a letting agent, but you have got the skills to guarantee them the rent and maybe on the service accommodation business, instead of getting 8% of £500 a month, whatever that is, well, I should have picked 10%, that would have been 50 quid, right? Um, you might get £1,000 a month instead of £50 a month. And that transforms your letting agency and the income there. So I think it's a really smart thing to do. So Rick, we're coming towards the end. Thank you so much for speaking to me. What I wanted... Because I knew a little bit about your journey, right? And what I wanted to share, the reason I wanted you here today is because you've gone through the fire and you've come out the other side, right? And you're now building a really cool deal packaging business for investors in Sheffield. If anyone out there is listening and you want to contact Rick, please contact him. You can contact him on Facebook, Messenger, whatever. Go and have a look at Sheffield. Go and have a look at his deals. Um... I would certainly recommend him. I'd 100% recommend. If Rick's looking after you, you're going to get looked after. 
For people listening who are yet to go through the fire and come out the other side, the thing about you, Rick, is you didn't give up. So what would you say to somebody who's looking at their first problems in property and might be thinking of giving up? Definitely. Well, um, I mean, property has its has its challenges at times. Um, it's not all the time, but sometimes it comes up. And depending on where you are and what you're doing, you might face a challenge sooner than somebody else. Um, we, we certainly faced a few challenges, and it's absolutely key that you don't give up. Seek advice, speak to others, find out you know, whether anyone else has ever experienced what you're experiencing, reach out, um, drop me a message uh, if, if I can help you in any way. But there are, um, there are challenges, and the crucial thing is to try and, um, try and work them out, you know, work through them, find a solution to them, find a way to not repeat the challenge that you're facing now so that you can, um, you know, move on from it and, uh, and hopefully, um, you know, package more deals or, or whatever it is you're doing as a result. Yeah, it's about the people around you. If you've got people around you who have been through the process before, then they've seen it, they know the answer, or they know somebody who knows the answer. That's the actual key to it. So, Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, guys out there in property sourcing profit land, I hope you got value from this. Uh, the message of this episode is don't give up, right? There's tripwires everywhere, but you're going to have to make a start. Make a start. Keep going. The only way you can fail at property and at packaging deals is if you stop. If you keep going, you will succeed. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to see you in the next episode. Go out there, view all the properties. We're going to sell all of them. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.